Hey, Randy Crabtree, your host back again, and the Unique CPA has received a four seed in Accounting High's Accountant Bracket Challenge. Now, we want to take this tournament by storm, so vote for us in each round of the tournament. Head over to abc.accountinghigh.com, that's abc.accountinghigh.com, or text ABC to 33339. Thank you for all your support, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Heath Alloway. Heath is a director at the Upstream Academy, where he works with public accounting firm leadership teams on strategic growth plans, business development training, innovation, and implementation of new services. And by the way, Upstream is one of my favorite uh, groups and, and, and people to hang out with. So Heath, welcome to the Unique CPA. Thank you, Randy. Happy to be here. And I appreciate the, the kind words as, as we get started here. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, We saw each other in uh, Park City, Utah. And uh, it was the first time I got to meet you in person, and, and it was great to do so. And that, that's a, a great conference. So it was it was great to meet you in person. Unfortunately, I got COVID uh, about 12 hours into being there, so I didn't get to spend much time, although I spent an extra five days in Park City, Utah, looking at mountains from my <laughs> hotel room, which was nice. So it was great to meet you there. Yeah, absolutely, Randy. And I can think of worse places to get COVID than Park City, Utah. But uh, sorry, sorry that happened, but glad to hear everything's back in, in good shape now. Back to normal. It was uh, it was not too bad, and uh, the disappointing thing was I was supposed to speak uh, the next morning and didn't get a chance to do that, which I was really looking forward to speaking at your conference. That's been a goal of mine <laughs> since I've known Upstream is to speak at an Upstream event, and I had that in in my grasp, and then it unfortunately didn't happen. We'll have to get me back on the schedule. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right. Well, before we get into it, and we have a topic that we, we want to talk about, which is emotional intelligence. But before we do that, just give me a little background on you. You know, I think you've been upstream a couple, two, three years now. And before that, what were you doing and, and how did you end up at upstream? So, Randy, I'm, I'm going to go a ways back in time that really kind of built some of my passions. Um, growing up, I was in a very small town, a small family owned business. And so a lot of my family friends were either you know business owners, uh, CPA firms, um, you know involved at banks or schools, and I just always had that entrepreneur mindset, and I learned so much by being in that environment. And then it was um, kind of crazy how I did get into the profession. Uh, I, I started with the wealth management organization, and um, I was not a CPA. Someone that I played college golf with was with a firm. And he was kind of my entry point. And, and when I started with the firm, Randy, this is probably one of the most unique starts in a firm. I spent my first 18 months making phone calls out to prospective clients, trying to set up meetings for oh, wow. some of our partner groups, some of myself. So I learned a lot about the profession uh, in that time. And then we'll fast forward. I spent about 14 years within a firm and I'll call it a unique position for the unique CPA. I, I, every role that I had within the firm was geared towards firm growth. That was um, strategic planning for industries. Uh, that was on the innovation side of helping identify, develop, and launch new services. I also managed our firm business development program. So worked very closely with our firm leadership on all of those different areas. And Randy, I always had a passion really taking 
you know, my experiences, my skill set and working with others. And so I took that leap of faith. Crazy time to make a shift, but I, I joined Upstream on April 1st of 2020, oh, yeah. which was kind of a crazy time. But I was very familiar with the Upstream team. I'd worked with Jeremy for several years. So it's just a leap of faith and just really have enjoyed now working with other firms in a lot of those areas that you described. So it's been a lot of fun the past couple of years. Just curious, did you go through any of the Upstream programs before joining Upstream? I did not go through the programs. Our firm was very involved, so I did attend some of the sessions. I actually spoke at some of the Upstream events oh, wow. prior to joining the team. So again, very familiar with the team and you know, just really love the culture and, and the team. And it's been a fun ride. So you didn't even have to attend. You were educating from the start. You, you were already, you know, that nice. Um, so I, I, before we get to the emotional intelligence, you said one thing that intrigues me that I like to talk about a lot. So I'm throwing you a curveball here. For the first 18 months, you were basically doing outbound calls. You were inside sales, it sounds like, for a firm. That obviously was something that this firm did. Do you see a lot of firms doing that? Because I think it's something they should do, and I often don't see it. Randy, it has been very few and far between yeah. that, that I've seen other firms doing that. But I, what I will say, it was a very quick way to learn a lot about the profession. It was a very quick way to learn a lot about the different industries and, and niches and service lines. And not only that, I, I think I learned a lot about handling objection and just having those conversations. It was not easy. It was uh, uh, very challenging at times, but I, it, it led to actually getting to go on some of the meetings uh, with some of the prospective clients. And I just, I learned so much from that. And it really kind of flipped my mindset from that selling to helping uh, kind of mindset. So I, I just, I learned so much. I, I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right. uh, but I, I learned a lot from that. And what did you call that position? Was it inside sales? Was it outbound sales? Was it dialing for dollars? <laughs> did yeah, it have a it, term? Yeah, so our team was called the advanced team, but it was inside It was inside sales. Um, yep. but we also learned a lot about project management and working with our different offices and teams. And, and oh, I'm sure. We saw them as our clients in a way, too. Yep. Yeah, we uh, and the reason that intrigues me is that it's just something I... Too often, it just, to me, feels like CPA firms rely way too much on people who aren't salespeople to generate business, which is fine. It's a relationship business. But we've, at Trimerit, we've always had a, a business development team. And we just expanded this year into, I call it inside sales. Some people, like I said, outbound sales, whatever it is. And we have three people on that team now, and we're looking to add a fourth. And the revenue that has come in from that in a short period of time has been amazing. And it's something we should have, I think, looked at doing a long time ago. But yeah, it's something that I I would love to do with just a whole podcast on that at some point. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. It's a, it's a fun topic. And uh, again, it's probably not exactly what I want to do forever, but it also, I learned so much. And uh, if you haven't done it before, I would highly encourage people to get you more comfortable in those type of settings. Yep. I'm not going to do it. So just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. It's a, it's a tough skill, uh, but it's great to learn. And I'm guessing, to segue here, I'm guessing that emotional intelligence comes into to just that setting as well. So we were talking ahead of time and there's all these EQs, IQs, SQs, OQs, AQs. C I don't even know what all the Qs are. I know what IQ is. Emotional quotient or emotional intelligence is one we want to um, touch on today. Why don't you give a little background of one, you know, what it is or, or, or two, even beforehand, you know, how you got involved in being this person out speaking on this topic. 
Yeah, absolutely, Randy. And emotional intelligence, uh, it was something that I I look back, you even mentioned back in in my calling days, it was something that I I think I could recognize if I met someone that I thought was very, you know, had a very high level of emotional intelligence. I don't think at that time I could really describe what it is or how it happens or how to improve in it. And, and Randy, I'll share one one thought. I, I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have to overcome with this topic and this skill set is I hear too many people call it a soft skill. I don't see it as a soft skill. I think it is a, a core leadership skill. And I'll go back. It was probably about two and a half years ago. One of the things that, that I wanted to do as I self-reflected was just to get more involved in our own community in, in Springfield, Missouri. And it led to a, a conversation with a, a university here in town. And keep in mind for our listeners, we don't do a ton of training with um, organizations outside of CPA firms, but they ask us to be part of their leadership program. And one of the topics they needed was emotional intelligence. And being the kind of the yes man, I, I said, yes, I'll take that topic. Uh, I did have some hesitation at the time of being very candid. Mm-hmm. But as I dove into the topic, it became something that I was I was very intrigued by and something that you, you used the I'll call it the Q alphabet. You mentioned all the different Qs. But one of the things that, that came out in a lot of the books that I read, the research was the, that IQ, our knowledge, the, the knowledge we have, that's only about 20 percent of our success. I look at our profession, I think it is a, a very high IQ profession. What makes up that other 80%, a big part of that is our emotional intelligence, how we interact with others, how we build relationships, how we lead others. And that's the part that has just been so intriguing to me throughout this journey. Yeah, it was funny because you sent me something saying that that IQ and EQ, the 20, the 80. When I looked at it at first, I thought, "Eh, I don't know. But then when you, I mean, I know not to be negative or anything. I know a lot of really smart people that aren't great communicators or leaders. I mean, they're really good at what they do, but I know a lot of leaders in firms. I'm not going to say they're not smart because they're very smart, but they have that emotional intelligence. They know how to deal with people. They know how to interact. And that's what I see from a leadership standpoint is that, that I wouldn't have defined it. Like you said, as an EQ, I didn't know what it was. It's just their personality. But yeah, I can definitely see that that is a huge part of Somewhat success, I guess that's the term. It depends how you define success, but but you know, getting into these leadership areas. So, what do we do with this? I mean, okay, we know that this is according to at least your stats, and I'm going to trust your stats. It's eighty percent of uh, plays into what our, I guess, success is going forward. So, what do we do with it? I mean, can we cultivate it? Can we train it? Uh, where do we go? Yeah, hundred percent, Randy. It it is a skill that can be learned. It can be improved. And something I always tell people is emotional intelligence. I, I don't think this is a skill that can ever be mastered or perfected. I think you know, even the the best leaders that we've worked with that we've seen. I think there's always room for improvement in this topic. So let's go back and just go back to truly what emotional intelligence is. Because I I just think about my I don't under I didn't understand it at the time. So when you think about emotions, we, we really have one brain, but we have two minds. That's our emotional side and that's our rational side. And the emotional side, it's something that's very critical to you know, just, just staying alive. You know, our emotions start from the very day that we are born. Part of that that I think we have to understand is our emotions when we're, when we're born at a very young age, 
that emotional side is really the what I would say the more powerful. We don't have the rational side. Mm-hmm. So the way I describe it to people is think about driving down the highway. We put our emotional side in the front seat. They're the one with the steering wheel, their foot on the gas. Our rational mind's in the back seat. At some point as we develop, our rational mind, our rational thinking starts to kick in. Um, so that that's really how it, how it all happens. Uh, so I, I think just starting there helps people understand that we have a thinking side and a feeling side. And naturally, our feeling side is the first to react. Our rational side is when we start, take a minute and we start to think about things. Is it really that bad or is it really that negative? And that's how we can start to address it. So I think that's a, a good starting point, Randy. Okay. All right. So I like the concept. I like the idea of explaining that. And so you mentioned we've got this rational side, we got the emotional side. And so we're born with more of the emotional side of things. And then at some point, our rational side starts to take over more. How does that transition happen? Yeah. So Randy, I, I think just kind of setting the foundation here for that, for that discussion, how that happens. Anytime our, our negative emotions start to creep in, that's typically when our expectation level is much higher than the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. So I'll just share a few examples. Um, I, well, actually, I don't know if you've ever seen National Lampoon's Vacation, but yep. that, that whole series was built on this concept of, you know, Chevy Chase, his expectations for vacation were here. The, the reality was a, a little lower. And I'll just use for an example, whenever, say someone transitions from a firm and they go to another firm or they transition to a different career. A lot of times they are running from something and not to something. They have this expectation that things are going to be perfect, but when they get there, it may not be exactly what they see. Same goes for buying a new house. It's very exciting, but then you get there and then all of a sudden your first month or two, or maybe a year or two, you're still unpacking boxes. Those are situations where the reality does not meet your expectation level. So when I when I say that, Randy, a lot of times what I'll share with people is there, there are five key areas to focus on with emotional intelligence. Self-awareness. Just being self-aware of when those emotions start to creep up, that is the foundation for emotional intelligence. And when I say self-awareness, um, Randy, we, we could talk about, you could read 50 books, self-help books, leadership books. You could sit in on podcast sessions. If you don't have self-awareness, to identify your areas that you need to get better, it's not going to do anything. Right. It might give you some concepts without that self-awareness. So that's um, what I what I would say is the first part, Randy. All right. So self-awareness. You have to understand that your emotions may be beyond what the actual situation is and, and know to pull them back and let's go what reality is. Let's get a little more towards reality. Am I on base? Yeah. And I think, Randy, in, in those situations, when you when you have self-awareness, so let me ask this. I'm going to ask a question, Randy. Have you ever sent an email? Have you ever said something? Have you ever done something where you, a few hours later, sit back and say, why did I do that? You know, what what good could possibly come out of that? And you, you wish you could retract the email or you could retract the text message. You could retract the conversation. But when you can manage your emotions, that's when you have the self-awareness to stop and maybe address that situation. Yep. I know what you're saying. I think I'm this is now going to sound like I got a big ego. I think I'm pretty self-aware because I honestly, I can't think of a time when I did that with an email, which I'm sure I have, but I, I maybe overanalyze things at times potentially just to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, and, and Randy, there, there have been situations on, I'll say, managing our, our own emotions. You know, one of the things that can, I think, also lead to 
higher emotion levels is when we're operating out of uncertainty. So if you think about the past two and a half, however many years, there's been a lot of uncertainty. And one thing at Upstream we talk a ton about is all of our growth comes out of our, you know, getting out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if you're out of your comfort zone too long, that's when the fear and the emotion can start to creep in. So you, you think of loss, you think of anxiety, you, you think of some of those negative emotions. Whenever we're better self-awareness and then managing those, that can help address some of those negative situations. So how do we manage that? What is the, the key there? How do we figure out that I need to manage this emotion I'm going through? Randy, uh, I'd say a simple takeaway for our listeners today is something that, and I, I don't know if anxiety or fear or you know exactly how to best describe it, but sometimes when you, you start to let a negative emotion, when you let it grow and you continue to think about it, it can potentially continue to grow and get bigger and bigger. So one thing that just a, a simple takeaway that's been very helpful for me is like you started going down that road of having the negative thought of, um, gosh, I did a presentation or I did a podcast and I, I did. I don't think that I did well. I think it was horrible. Start maybe going back and writing down what you thought went well. Or so I, I tell my daughter all the time, she comes home from soccer practice or school and she she'll start telling me about so-and-so did this, or they talked to me, they said this to me. So step back, Nora, and, and think about, do their actions control your emotions? What can you control? What bad is really going to come out of this? And so starting to, I hate to say it this way, Randy, because it's, it's very hard. It's easier said than done. It's very hard to do, but retraining our brain on how we react to those situations. So if it's something that we fear, say it's, you think about public speaking, it's one of the most feared things out there. What's our survival rate? I always tell people we have a hundred percent survival rate <laughs> in our presentations. Yeah. So, you know, what's the worst that could come out of this? Let's reshape that. What's the value that could come out of this? Right. By me sharing my experiences, could this help someone? So it's just retraining that thought process because too many of our thoughts are negative, Randy. I, I just I see that. I had a recent article that I read that we have twelve thousand to sixty thousand thoughts a day, and I think it was eighty percent of those are negative. And out of those 80%, 95% are happen over and over. Really? It's crazy to think about. It is. So I have I have like 60,000 thoughts a day, and then I call our marketing department, and then like, oh, Randy's got another idea. So <laughs> here we go again, Randy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you two things you said that I, I was really intrigued with is that whole mindset of negative thoughts. And, and this is something that uh, I'm actually um, going to be talking to Jeremy Clapton that you work with on a podcast coming up. And there's two things around that. One, we already talked about it and I decided I didn't do well, so I want to do it again. So somehow <laughs> I, uh, you know, I uh, maybe overanalyzing there. But uh, the other thing is the part of it is talking about mental health and, and what you were just talking about can actually create mental health issues with these negative thoughts that go uncontrolled. And if that's, if you're going and going and going, and, and that's one thing that happened to me after I had a stroke years ago that I just, you know, the, the negative thoughts were in my head. And so, yeah, I can, from an extreme standpoint, I can see flipping that. You got to look at the positive. And uh, fortunately, I was able to after years of dealing with the negative, but it's there. So managing your emotions from an extreme standpoint, I completely understand what you're talking about there. Two things I would say on that, because I, I want to go back and, and make everyone clear, too. I am by no means a doctor or professional in this space whatsoever. Yes. And I do think there there's a separation on what you just said. I think there is 
some of those thoughts that are very, very natural. And honestly, if we weren't having those, some, some of these thoughts, I, I'd be worried. I, I tell people that, you know, from a presenter standpoint, that, you know, when I stop having some of that, that's when I probably start to get worried because it's natural. It's like, say you've been an athlete or you have a big meeting coming up with a client or prospective client. Some of those thoughts are, are natural. It's, um, you know, it, it makes you human. You, you know, you care about it. So some of that's okay. When it starts to get more where it's out of control, yeah. I think that's a whole different ball game of you know, tapping into professional help or talking with someone. Oh yeah, and I, I want to make sure that everyone's clear too. When when you start to have some of that, uh, by all means, it can just be helpful to just be open with someone, whether it's someone you know or, or not, uh, and, and just talking about it can at least surface that and get it on the table uh, instead of just letting it letting it continue to to, to snowball or to, to grow. Definitely, definitely, great advice. And and again. Yes, neither of us are doctors. So any mental health <laughs> advice we're giving today, which we weren't going to veer into there, I brought us there. Uh, it's just from a, a, a me personal experience. All right, so managing your emotions. Another key uh, area as you were talking about this, you mentioned earlier, self-motivation. You want to expand on that? Yeah, a- absolutely, Randy. Uh, that self-motivation piece, it, it kind of goes back to the, the self-awareness in you know, whether it's goal setting or what you're trying to accomplish in your career, with no doubt, you're, you're going to see setbacks. And I'll just use our own, let's say our, our health, if um, you're trying to get in better shape or uh, you know, you're trying to eat healthier. You know, I, I'm not big on chasing the fads. I'm, I'm bigger at looking at like what our why is and what, what our purpose is and that motivation. And I'll just share some you know, a personal experience and, and how this kind of ties into it. So several years ago, I had a, an annual checkup, and I was pretty pretty young at the time. And the doctor shared that I had, you know, my cholesterol was slightly elevated. I was at the highest weight I'd ever been in my life, and I had some, you know, family background and not the great greatest health issues. And I, I looked at that self motivation side, and like look back, and like what what am I doing, and what do I need to improve on? And my I think my why behind that self motivation has changed throughout the years. But I still look at those day-to-day habits, Randy. I'm big on the goal-setting process, but I'm also this concept of how can we win the day? How can we do the little things, whether it's you wake up in the morning and you, you take time to yourself and take 30 minutes to, to invest in yourself? I think you have to identify those small wins to equal your, your big wins. And you know, it's any career path, leadership, if you're trying to make it on the partner track, the self-accountability is so huge. Sam talks about it, the difference between knowing and doing. A lot of times, Randy, we know exactly what we should do, but it's actually taking that and doing it. And that's the hard part. But something you said, Randy, or no, I'm sorry, this was something I heard on an earlier discussion about many times my why. It's not just about myself. I'll go back to working out for an example. If I am going to go work out at five in the morning, it's for myself. Sometimes it's a lot easier for me to hit snooze. If I have someone else that's dependent on, if I don't show up, it's going to impact their day. So thinking about the accountability piece of coaching, or maybe it's your family or your children, what that bigger why is, and, and recognizing that. And, and our, I'll, I'll just tie it into our profession. A lot of times that why is not more hours. It's how are you making a difference in your clients? How are you making a difference in those that you work with? And that is the arrows pointed out. That's not the arrows pointed in. But when that why is bigger, 
that can really help with that self-motivation. Yep. And one thing you just said, and, and one of the uh, the key uh, areas of focus we've discussed is empathy and, and just, you know, the others, you know, knowing what's important to others, being able to help others, being able to, you know, be happy when others succeed. Uh, that's a big part of emotional intelligence, I'm assuming, as well. A hundred percent, Randy. I, I always look at the kind of going back to the self-reflection. Anytime that I've ever you know, had that great sense of, of joy or, you know, my cup being the most full is when I've been able to help either my teammates or firms we work with or individuals we work with. And it hasn't been about necessarily myself. It's been about investing in others. And Randy, that empathy piece, you know, I, I look at our profession and not only our profession, but others, but so much of what we do is relationship focused. And our expertise gets us maybe at the table, but it's the relationships that we build that can, that can make a difference. And I'll use that as diversity, equity, inclusion. Being able to step outside yourself and look at others, that, that's not an easy thing to do. And that's um, it can be quite challenging when we're naturally focused on, our, on ourselves. Yeah. I know some people, and whether they're kidding or not, um, uh, like to say that uh, talking about myself is one of my favorite topics. But honestly... I love seeing people uh, have success that I'm working with. And and I have two examples of that. And it just gives me so much satisfaction. And I think I even talked about this on other podcasts. But I, 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 have, I have two guys that I work with. I've been working with the firm for over 10 years now. Both of them came straight out of college. Both of them were working at a gym as trainers. I met them at the gym because one was training me. One was training my son while they were looking for a job. And, and both of them, I just saw... One, what great people they were and what great skills they had, even though it was in a training session at working at a gym, I just saw this potential they had and they were great people. And now one of them's our CFO and the other one's the head of inside sales that I was talking about before. And they've been here 10 years. And, and it's just now for me, that means a lot too for the business because they've helped us grow successfully. But personally, I just love seeing that them be successful in this business. And hopefully that means that I, I build meaningful relationships and, and have empathy for others. I'm hoping they have that skill. Yeah, and, and Randy, I love that thought of what you just described. It. I'll call it skill versus will. You, you hired for the will or the self-motivation. Yep. It wasn't necessarily the skills that they had that applied to our profession, but I, I, I love that. Love that thought. Yeah, and, and the ability to communicate, the ability that the knowledge, the IQ they had as well, even though we're talking EQ today, the, the IQ they had as well. But yeah, they, they're both uh, been very important parts of our our firm and, and it, it's just so nice to see and that's one thing also i do is whenever we hire a new person i really try to reach out to them and i do i've, I've probably got two or three new people right now maybe i do like talking about myself because it appears that i'm doing that right now <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hey, Randy, that's self, self-awareness self-awareness, self-awareness I, like I got uh i like to reach out and get on a team's call and just talk about who they are, not what they do and just get to know the people because that's, you know, I think if you know the person, you know, one, it doesn't matter what they do. It's just, you know, helps the business overall to have that, that relationship building aspect of things. All right. Are there other areas that we need to talk about with this emotional intelligence? Uh, how do I apply it? What's it beneficial for my business? Is there things I've missed? Well, Randy, one thing I'll go back to that you just said of you, 
mentioned getting to know the individual and not yep. not the know, role. They, well, not only that, I can't tell you how many times in the past 12 months that I've heard the, the comment of, you know, they don't want to work like our generation or the millennials, which the millennials are, some millennials are partners in firms that's that's put in a, a bucket right. or the, the idea of, gosh, I just took it on because I tried to pass something off and it didn't go well. So now I, you know, it, it's that kind of thought. And I think from an empathy perspective, Sometimes we overlook the fact that we were once in their shoes. And so being able to have that emotional intelligence to go back and say, what was it like whenever I was six months in a firm? Or what was it like whenever I was 12 months? And having that kind of empathy, I think, can help look at the individual level and not as a you know a generation or a level within a firm that's looking more at the individual. And I love how you described that. I think that's extremely important because it's what you just said. When I first started in public accounting in 1988, which means I'm old now, is that uh, I made a list of things that I liked where I worked and things that I didn't like and I would change if I ever had my own firm. And so I, I've tried to, whether everybody would agree or not, tried to live by the list of, hey, let's do the things I know that people really don't like, let's get rid of those and the things that people like. But we also try to find out what are things we're missing too. You know, we're open to ideas from it doesn't matter if you just started here a week ago or you've been here 15 years. You know, what what do we need to do better too? And hopefully I think I actually mentioned this recently too, but we're at 60 people in over 15 years. I think we've had seven people voluntarily leave. So I think we probably overall are good on the emotional intelligence uh, 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 timeline using that, at least in leadership skills and relationship building. But uh, I, I love this whole topic of emotional intelligence. Sorry, that's not a question there. It's just a comment. Oh, you're, you're fine, Randy. All right. So then based on everything we talked about with this emotional intelligence, again, which I think is awesome, what's the application? What can we use this for? Where should we use it? So how we can really take emotional intelligence and, and how to put it into play and how we can continue to build that skill. So you think about, let's talk about the process again, self-awareness, understanding our own emotions. Then we, when we understand our, our own emotions, we can start to better head some of those off or control, react to those emotions. The self-motivation, the empathy side, how we connect with others. So when you think about that journey, that skill, it's how do you tie that to meaningful relationships? How do you apply it within your firm or your career path? And so when you think about relationships, when you fast forward and you look back at a career, a lot of your joy is going to come from how you've helped others, how you've invested in others. Those are strong relationships you've built within your firm, within your client base. And think of how you can apply that. That could be challenging situations. Maybe it's helping someone through. We, we talked about some pretty serious things of you know how things that we've went through in life and how have you helped someone through that? Those are the things that you're going to look back on and realize that you made a difference in someone else's career or their life. And to me, that's some of the most rewarding. And you look at the last, um, I'll say two and a half years again, or you look at our profession, Randy, I've heard so much about the capacity. Gosh, there's fewer people coming in. We don't, we have more work than we know what to do with. Emotions are at a high level right now. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how you can tap into that, and I'm not trying to be Pollyannish, Randy. I, I think from an emotional side, a positive outlook, knowing that the best is yet to come. You know, I, I'm also a realist that, that that comes with challenges. 
But how do we impact our mindset to have that positive outlook? Again, not being Pollyannish, but how can we encourage our, our people? How can we help them understand their, their why? Not only that, you think about recruiting and retention. How often do firms talk to others about the difference they're making on the overall firm? What they're doing, how does that impact the success of a firm? Or how, when they're serving clients, do they really understand the difference that they're making? And connecting with them from that emotional level, I think, can make such a big difference. And if you do have people that are going through, maybe they've been a high performer and they're going through something right now. I think that's important to tap into that yep. and, and helping understand from an emotional standpoint. So hopefully, Randy, that helps some of our listeners on, on the application side. Yep, application. And and we had a list here, leadership, handling conflict, personal connection, social awareness, all those things I, I see uh, coming to play. And I, I love what you just said there is, hey, we have somebody that maybe is not contributing like they used to, but it's not just because they're whatever, you know, maybe there is something behind that, that really, if we can help them with something that's not work related, that I think is great. And I think we try to do that. And, and hopefully a lot of others do as well. Well, Randy, our professional life is just one pillar. Yeah. It's just one pillar of the bigger picture. Yep. And I, and I talk about this uh, on the, uh, on the podcast a lot, but I'm a big fan of John Garrett. What's your and? You know, and it's not just, I don't know if you're familiar with John, but it's not, you know, you're not the uh, auditor, you're the uh, uh, mountain biker, or you're the, you know, what you do outside of work is really who you are. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't use that passion inside his work as well. And uh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. All right. So I think that was a good education on emotional intelligence. But if, if somebody wants to be able to use this or improve this, what's what's a takeaway that you can help them with to, to move forward with emotional intelligence? Randy, one thing that I would think about for the listeners of just a starting with a, a self-evaluation. So think about those five key areas. I'll, I'll repeat them for our listeners one more time. But the self-awareness, managing our own emotions, self-motivation, empathy, and meaningful relationships. So think about those five areas and go through and do a true, honest assessment of where you're at on a scale of one to 10. Where are you at in those five areas? And then out of those five areas, as you go through and you do a one to 10 self-evaluation, write down maybe one, maybe two things that you can do better. So from a self-awareness standpoint, I'll go back to the negative emotions, Randy. If someone does something that kind of gets you fired up, take 24 hours and reflect on it. You know, take a minute and self-reflect because typically it's not as bad or as good as what you ever think that it is. So right. just things like that, one or two steps that I can prove in each of those areas. And as long as you have that self-awareness, uh, you can continue to, to improve in those areas. Nice, nice. All right. Before I ask for contact information, because we want uh, people want to reach out and form, find out more about you. Uh, one question I like to ask at the end, and, and a lot of it, I was asking this question before I met John Garrett and what's your end, but I always feel like I have to give him credit because the one question I like to ask at the end is, all right, we talked about, you know, upstream, we talked about what you're doing, we talked about all this today, but what do you do that's uh, uh, your passion outside of work? What do you enjoy uh, well, when you're not out uh, educating the public accounting? Very good question, Randy. Uh, do I do I have a limit on number of things that I can, can stick <laughs> no, to? No, you go for uh, it. Yeah. Um, I go back to the community. Um, you know, This is probably more recent, um, but one of the things just um, in our, our church, I was asked to volunteer in the daycare, with which got me out of my comfort zone. Uh, but that has been one of those deals where I went in with the mindset of, oh, my gosh, how am I going to work with kindergartners and first graders? 
but in a lot of ways, they're teaching me a lot about myself. Um, the, the other area is um, I recently, I guess I say recent, it was last year I was asked to coach my son's soccer team. And that, that was something similar approach where I, I said yes, and I, I learned a, a lot from that. And just investing in the youth and the, the kids, it, it's just been a, a blast. Also enjoy fly fishing, golf. Um, I try to stay active. And just I go back to my why on the, the staying active piece. I, I just want to, I feel like the more I self-care, the better I can help others as well. And that goes back to when I'm investing, I, I try to be more intentional, Randy, about where I've invested my time and, and making a difference for, for others. Yeah. All right. And so did you know anything about soccer before you started coaching the soccer? I did not know a lot. My daughter plays in a, a club league. I, I know a lot. I shouldn't say I know a lot. I played sports. And yep. So soccer was not one that I played. So it's been a learning experience. Thank goodness they're, they're, they're only five. So I don't need to know a lot yet. It's more about um, you know keeping keeping everyone in line without getting hurt or anyone crying. But it's, it's been a yeah, the most rewarding part, Randy, was at the end of the season last year, I had a couple of the parents come up and just say, thanks for investing in my kid. Nice. And so I'm doing it again this year. We had our first game last week, and I'm still getting that, um, you know, it's, it's the high sense of joy from doing it. It's just it's well, fun to watch them develop. And I think you're using a lot of your emotional intelligence skills in that uh, in that <laughs> coaching arena. Uh, yeah. Um, so one thing I, I do want to, a couple of things I want to ask because you said, you mentioned fly fishing. Is it a requirement that you fly fish if you work at Upstream Academy? Because that's. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not, it was not on my resume, Randy, but um, it's just something that I got into, you know, a while back and it's um, something that it's just, it's very relaxing and there, there's, it's hard to explain until you've been waiting in the water and I, I would not say I'm good at it by any means, Randy. I just enjoy doing it. And I go on a, a trip each year with, um, there's eight of us. My dad goes every year that we, we've been doing for three years now. And it's just a, it's kind of a fun tradition. And it just, it's, it's relaxing. It's something I'm nice yeah, because Sam Allred's a, a fly fisherman, right? Isn't that uh, the whole, isn't that where upstream yes. came from the name I'm assuming? Ironically, Randy, I've not been fishing with Sam or Tim Bartz that is now retired. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Tim was a, a Jeremy, not, uh, 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 Georgia, uh, Kelsey, anybody else? <laughs> Fly Fisher person? Not that I'm aware of. All right. All right. And then the the other thing, because you mentioned this at the beginning, but I'm just curious, uh, college golfer. Yes. Yeah. And where did you do this at? So I played at Missouri Southern, which was a Division two school in Joplin, Missouri. Okay. And so uh, these days you're still golfing. Uh, how are you doing? You, you, you still uh, hitting it all right? I still play some, not near as much, but I, I still play some. We, I would say my, my love for the game has been revived a little bit. I, not that I didn't enjoy it, but right. uh, we live fairly close to a golf course. And I mentioned my kids a couple of times. I'm a, a five-year-old and soon to be 10-year-old. And they have a kid's course where there's like five small holes. And they're shorter, I say, 40 to 50 yards. Oh, so nice. we go over there quite a bit. And it's just it's fun to get them involved in the game as well. That's one thing I regret that I didn't uh, get my kids out golfing at an early age. And, and I really want to help them catch up now. Not that I'm any good, but but it's a skill. I think it's important because it's so nice to be out there and and you just have all this time hanging out with uh, friends or coworkers that can be yep. the same thing or whatever. OK, again, I appreciate you being here before we wrap up. Then if people want to find uh, you, connect with you, see more information about you, where would they go look? 
Randy, one easy way is LinkedIn, just searching my name, um, uh, Heath Alloway. It's A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. And then my email address is heatha at upstreamacademy.com. So those are probably the easiest two ways to connect. And Randy, as always, I, I always tell people that you know, I, I love to, to talk and help solve problems. So if someone does have any questions or anything that I said today, I'm always happy to connect. Nice. That's that's great. Putting yourself out there for for helping, which I appreciate a ton. Randy, thank you for having me on the show as well. It's been been a fun conversation and I, I do. I appreciate it. I know you have a lot of guests and so I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Nope. This has been my plan since I heard of who you were. So I appreciate <laughs> you being on here. Very good. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about TriMerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to your clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles.